John chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, this woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Dan, and um, have the privilege of sharing for a few minutes on that passage, John chapter four. If you've got it on your Bible, um, if you've got it on your phone, something like that, that'd be brilliant to keep it in front of you. John four, the story of the woman at the well. She gets some water out of the well. Jesus asks her for a drink and a conversation begins. And the hinge of that conversation is Jesus offering her what he calls living water. He uses the well and the cup of water as a kind of prop. And he says, yes, you can drink this water. You'll be thirsty again after you've had a drink of this water. But John 4, 14, whoever drinks the water, he says, that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. That is the thought I want us to focus in on tonight, the living water the eternal life that Jesus gives to us. The water which is given by Jesus that springs up inside and that wells up to overflowing. Now I need to tell you that last night um, I'd had a fairly salty curry quite late at night and I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and I was really thirsty and so I went down to the kitchen and had a big glass of water and... um, I, did you, have you ever had this thing where you wake up in the night and think, I wonder if the Lord is trying to, to tell me something? And I thought, no, I don't think so. So I just went back to bed. And it was only this morning, and I thought, wait a second, that sermon I've been working on all week is all about being thirsty and water. <laughs> so I wonder um, if that was a little nudge to me from the Lord, and maybe to you. Waking up in the middle of the night, parched and thirsty. You can be thirsty physically, You can be thirsty spiritually, thirsty on a deep level inside, in your soul, in your spirit. 
I think today, the world is full of questions about what it is to have life. What is it to really, truly live? How do you discover a sense of meaning or purpose day to day? Who am I? Given all the various options out there for expressing our identity, tribes to join, flags to fly, who am I? What do I really want to be? Who do I really want to be? What really drives or motivates me? What gets me out of bed in the morning or, or what keeps me in bed in the morning, maybe? Is there a way of living that helps me get the most out of everything? My health and fitness, um, my productivity, my work-life balance, my mental well-being. How do I get the most out of life? What is it to truly live? It feels like our world, our culture is thirsty. It's like longing to drink something that brings life. And it may be that you've been pondering those questions yourself. It may be that you know people who are pondering those questions right now. And in the church, and here at St. Aldate, we are really thrilled that all of those questions are on the menu because that is what we are all about. It is the heart of Jesus' ministry to find life. If Jesus went on mastermind, his chosen subject would be true spiritual life. And as his people in the church, we are interested in true spiritual life. So in John 4, Jesus has spoken about this living water, this eternal life to this woman at the well. But if, you just, if you've got a Bible and you, or you've got a phone, you can just flick back one page. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking about the same thing to someone else he meets, a man called Nicodemus. This is Jesus on his specialist subject. John 3 verse 3, he says to Nicodemus, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus says, well, that's a, that's a very strange thing to say. You, you can't go physically and be born again. That's weird and disgusting. Jesus explains, John 3, you need to be born of the Spirit. John 3, verse 6, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What does Jesus mean by that flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus is telling us there is a, a kind of life, natural human life, that begins with our birth, and that kind of life is always dying. The life of all humanity has been ruined by sin, by suffering, by evil, and we will all die. Even when human beings make new lives, we can only create ones that have the same kind of life. Flesh gives birth to flesh. A kind of life, a human life, that is actually death. But there is another kind of life. There's another kind of life that is from God the Holy Spirit, and he gives birth to spirit. In other words, there's a new kind of life that we can be born again into by the Holy Spirit, out of the old, dying kind of life and into the new. Just a few verses later in John chapter three is maybe the Bible's most famous verse. You'll know it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, not die, but have eternal life. 
This is true life, eternal life. God gave up his son, Jesus, to death on the cross so that the world that was dying could be born again into his eternal life. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now maybe, um, I don't know if you've ever read like a news story or, or like seen a report on TV or something and they mention born again Christians. And you've probably noticed often when that comes up like in, in uh, like a, a media context, it's kind of dropped that phrase with a sort of theatrical eye roll, born again Christians. Because um, the world kind of imagines there are you know, nice, normal Christians, like proper Anglicans, old ladies who like drinking weak tea and making cakes to sell so they can raise money to repair the church roof, and that there are also crazy, wacky, fundamentalist Christians who strum guitars, who like read, the Bible, <laughs> who read from the Bible, and they, act, they actually believe that God is real. How strange. That's so often how the world thinks of it. Born-again Christians are crazy. The fact is... Being born again is the very definition of a Christian. Being born again is what it is to be a Christian. It is coming to the cross of Jesus, receiving into our fleshly life and our death the eternal, true life of Jesus Christ. That's what it is to be a Christian. And when Jesus meets the woman at the well in John 4, he pictures this new life as being like a well installed or opened up in a person. Before, in the life of the flesh, natural human life, you get thirsty and you get dry and you fade out and you run out. That is what it is to be a human being. But... When you come to Jesus and you drink his living water, you now have inside you a well that bursts up and bubbles out. There, there is life, new life, inside you. And it's not a stock of bottled water that you can chug through. It's not a reservoir that could dry out and be emptied. A well is a source, a new spring inside that bubbles up a spring in you of Jesus' own, real, eternal, true life. So how does Jesus give us his life? Skip on a few pages in your Bible to John chapter 7. John 7, 37. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, John says, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The stream of living water, the well that is opened up in a person, is God the Holy Spirit given to live in us and to share with us the life of Jesus. So often in scripture, the Holy Spirit is spoken of in, in this kind of way. He is poured out on us or he descends on us almost like a waterfall. He is the one who gets the eternal life of God and puts it inside fleshly people, longing 
people, thirsty people, dying people. That is what the Holy Spirit loves to do, to put the life of God inside people. The Holy Spirit does his most amazing miracle at the beginning of every Christian life. It's the most wonderful thing he does. As soon as you trust in Jesus, he brings life into death. It's like turning on the light in a dark room. It's like a well bursting open in a desert. Theologians call that regeneration or the new birth. The new birth. Because in Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, you actually become a new person. A new life begins. Later on in the Bible, Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I think it's a shame that sometimes the people who talk the most about the Holy Spirit speak so little about this most important and most wonderful thing that he does. The greatest gift the Holy Spirit gives. The greatest power the Holy Spirit imparts is that he gives the life of God to human beings. Isn't that the most amazing thing? The life of God put into us and he loves to do that more than anything else. To come and dwell in new people. To pour out the life and the love of God into our hearts and to turn people into wells and springs of life. So this is life, real life, the eternal life of God implanted in us by the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you two simple encouragements this evening. Get it and give it. Get it and give it. So first of all, please get it. Get this life. You might be in church for the first time ever today, and it may be that you've never really heard about Jesus and eternal life before, and it might all sound quite strange and new to you. But it might also be that as you're sitting listening, you're thinking, I get this problem with the flesh, with natural human life. I understand what you mean. This passing life that has so many problems, that runs out, that is not satisfying, that makes me feel spiritually like thirsty. You feel spiritually thirsty like I did, 3 a.m. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that on a spiritual level this evening. And you like the idea, you're attracted to the idea of becoming a new person who has life, real life, implanted inside. If you do, it is Jesus you're looking for. It's Jesus you're looking for. And he loves to give people, and he will love to give you his refreshing restoring, thirst-quenching new life. He wants to give that to you tonight. He really does. And we love in this church to see people receiving that new life. We love to see the difference it makes in people's lives, to see the goodness, the peace, the happiness that flow in a person's life when the Holy Spirit moves in to their life and lives in them. So many of us in this room have experienced that as the Holy Spirit comes and fills us And you can too. All it takes is that you simply say yes to Jesus. You accept from him a drink of living water. You accept it, receive it, just trusting him. Later on in the service, we're going to give you the chance to 
respond, maybe to pray with somebody if you'd like to do that. Please don't leave here tonight without getting this life. On the other hand, I wonder if there are lots of people here who, and I think it might be lots of people this evening, who have been coming to church for years and you have thought of yourself as a Christian for a long time, but you realise you've never truly been born again by the Holy Spirit. You've known about Jesus and the gospel, but it has just been intellectual or factual for you. And today is the day that you need to have the living water well up in you. Today is the day you need to meet him. Um, Perhaps some of you will have heard of John and Charles Wesley, brothers who were students here in Oxford back in the 1720s. Um, They, when they were students here in Oxford, founded something called the Holy Club. And the Holy Club met every week to read the Bible and read Christian books. There was about 20 of them that gathered together. They used to go and visit people in prison. They used to um, teach local orphans to read. They took food to the poor. They prayed and fasted twice a week. And they would often walk through um, bullying, mocking crowds of their peers to go to communion in the cathedral just across the road here at Christchurch. And nobody was surprised when John and Charles Wesley, those two brothers, when they graduated from university, they sailed off um, to the colonies, to what is today the USA, to become missionaries. No one was surprised that they would do that. Like, who, who was as pious and spiritually serious as John and Charles? But their mission trip was a total disaster. It wasn't much more than a year before they came back to England, burnt out, they were ill, they were depressed, and they were spiritually dry. And a couple of years after returning, they now lived in London, in the same week, John and Charles realised they had never actually been born again. They realised they'd never actually been Christians. Charles wrote in his diary that on the day of Pentecost, 1738, he said he was converted. And he said at last he found peace with God. At last, peace with God. That was Charles. John, his brother, wrote just a few days later. Um, He heard the gospel preached one day and he said famously that his heart was strangely warmed. And he said, I came to trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And assurance was given me that he had taken my sins away, even mine, and saved me. It turns out that you can speak and behave and live as though you were a Christian, but never have come to Jesus for life. You can know stuff in your head, but have an unaffected heart that has not been born again by the Spirit. Those lads founded something called the Holy Club. They'd been missionaries for goodness sake, but they did not really know Jesus and they didn't have the life of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I can talk to the students who have been bribed to sit over here. (laughs) Um, Students, I want to encourage you, don't mistake spiritual earnestness for the real life of the Holy Spirit. It is easy when you're at university, when you're surrounded by mates who are all living for Jesus, and maybe great student community here in this church, maybe see you in your colleges, 
Surrounded by people who are all in and you feel like you're all in, don't mistake just earnestness and activity in doing the right things for true spiritual life. Get the real thing. And maybe you can speak to all the 20s and 30s who are out here. You remember when you were a student and how easy it was to be really excited for Jesus. And after a few years and work life, evenings become so pressurized and precious. Weekends are... You, you just collapse, basically. There's not much time for anything. And you, you look back on your student days and you're maybe envious of all of this lot over here, with all the energy, the spiritual enthusiasm and the passion. And you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm quite dry and cynical and I'm struggling to keep up my relationship with the Lord just because of work and maybe I've got married, maybe there's a little baby. It's so hard. What can I do? Get the life of the Holy Spirit. Don't let cynicism live in your life. Don't let dryness persist. Call on the Lord. Get this life. Please don't just believe things about Jesus. That he's real. That he died on the cross. That he rose again. We want you and the Holy Spirit wants you to meet Jesus in the Spirit's power and trust him from your heart. The book of James says, the demons believe in God. The demons believe in God, but they don't love him. The Holy Spirit's work in us is to help us sing what we sang earlier. Jesus, your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love you. Get this life. When I was growing up um, in a very little church in Leicester, my old pastor used to um, call us up to the front when it was our birthdays. And we'd have to stand right at the front of the service. And the whole church would sing happy birthday to us. Um, it was very awkward and embarrassing. Um, and what was worse was that after they finished singing happy birthday, the pastor sung a second verse, an unknown second verse. Happy birthday to you, only one will not do. Take Jesus as your saviour, and then you'll have to. <laughs> Stephen said I was a worship leader, so... Um, it's a silly song, but the point is so important. Being a Christian means you have a second birthday. You are reborn. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are sharing now in Jesus' eternal life bubbling over with living water. Friends, what you do with Jesus Christ tonight is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of life and death. You can stay where you are or you can come to the water. Come to Jesus tonight for life. The Holy Spirit will gladly give it to you, living water. Come and get it. Second, more briefly, give it. It is really easy for Christians and for churches to get stuck on teaching a set of beliefs, encouraging people to behave in certain ways, trying to create amazing experiences, but not holding out the life of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the beliefs might be really good biblical orthodox beliefs, and the behavior might be exactly the kind of behavior that scripture calls us to, and the experiences might be deep and sincere, 
But if the church does not offer eternal life in Jesus' name, it is missing the main thing. It is so easy for us as churches and as Christians just to trundle on maintaining. I have to say one of the joys of being in this church at the moment is that we are seeing pretty much every week people coming into the new life of the Spirit. People putting their trust in Jesus for the first time on Sundays, in Alpha, in small groups. The Holy Spirit is giving new life. And that is such a wonderful work of God. Every time it happens, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. It is the work of the Spirit alone. We cannot manufacture that. We cannot manipulate that. We cannot make it happen by ourselves. It only happens when the gospel of Jesus is proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I actually want to ask you, please pray for this church. Please pray for the leaders, for the preachers. Pray for those who are discipling, those who lead small groups, those who are pastoring us. The Lord is so kindly blessing us at the moment, but we never want to get complacent or stale or formulaic. We want to be a church that overflows with the Holy Spirit's true life, both in brand new believers and in lives continually changed and set alight day by day by the Spirit's power. So please pray. But also, this is maybe more important, get in on this. Get in on this. Do not keep the living water bottled up in your own life. Share it. Speak about Jesus. Share his gospel and his love. When Jesus said that the living water springs up in a person and wells up to eternal life, that word literally means leaps or gushes out. It it cannot be contained in a person. You might like to know the Greek word is halomai, which... Everyone will remember that word because we're at a church in the middle of Oxford and it sounds like halloumi, which we all had for brunch. It is leaping, bursting, gushing outwards. The living water by nature flows out. It flows outwards. There's an old song, Graham Kendrick, let the living water flow. And it's so tempting to imagine as Christians that we get the living water, it's wonderful, it's brilliant, it's for us. But it must flow. You know, sometimes as Christians, we imagine that we share something called real life with everyone else in the world. And that real life is about work and family and money and hobbies, the latest TV series we're watching and current affairs and politics and so on. And as Christians, we just also have this this extra thing, this sort of plug-in, an option that we can add on to that real life thing. And we call this extra thing the Christian life or the life of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we've got real life already, everyone has that. And we just sort of paint on the top the life of the Holy Spirit like a sort of magic fairy dust and it's lovely and we can offer that to other people if they would like it. It's, it's a nice option. But we have to, in our minds to switch that over. Real life, real life is the life of the Holy Spirit. It is the, the most real, most substantial, most solid thing, more real than anything else we experience and feel and touch and smell and taste every day. It is eternal. It is the true life of God. And that life is in Jesus alone. By the grace of God, if you trust in Jesus, you have that life in you tonight 
You have the most beautiful, the most real, the most lasting, beautiful thing that there is. The spring has welled up in you. You are a new creature. You are born again by the Holy Spirit. And that makes you a completely different kind of person to everyone else in the world. You don't already share the most real thing about you with everyone else in the world. You don't already share the most fundamental, basic, real life with people in the world. You have that life to share. You have something to give wherever you are, wherever you live, whoever you're around. Friends, in a world that is so full of darkness, so full of discouragement, where that old fleshly life is so often on display, that's thirsty for life, that is that's passing away, that's longing for reality, we who know Jesus, we're filled with the Spirit and we have life, life to share. To invite a friend to church, serve on an alpha table, share the gospel with a colleague, offer to pray with a mate for something. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He will give you words and power and he will take care of the results of your efforts because he cares about the outcome far more than you do. Let the living water flow. Don't keep it to yourself. Get it and give it. There is nobody sitting in this room tonight who doesn't have a response to make to this passage. Come and get life if you don't have it already. Learn to give it if you have it. True life, eternal life, it's in Jesus Christ and it's given by the Spirit. Get it tonight. Come and receive it. Don't wait. And give it. Get on board. Share Jesus. Come and drink. And let the living water spring up in you tonight. Amen.